You know what we should have done? We should have brought our younger selves on the podcast to talk to. Yeah, right. This would have blown their minds, man. They'd probably be like, man, why'd you grow up to be such a killjoy? And I'd be like, (laughs) sorry, man. It's just once you have bills, that's what does it to you. (laughs) The drum beats out of time. If you're lost, you can look and you will find. sci-fi action adventure drama does it involve preteens coming of age you know it does it involve time travel what do you think this is amateur hour is it gonna be a streaming tv show or movie on netflix or hbo max or one of the many 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 empires that are coming out but of course Good, because that's the only shit you make us read nowadays. I'm Roman Segal. And I'm Ryan Joe. And we are two dudes who are never allowed to have a paper route. Or time travel. When we were preteens. Or teens. This week, for all of you wishing you could have had conversations with your younger selves, we decided to do the next best thing. We read Paper Girls, the multi-Eisner award-winning series written by Brian K. Vaughn and illustrated by Cliff Chang, recently adapted as a streaming TV series starring Ali Wong on Amazon. And unfairly called a ripoff of Stranger Things because, as with most things, the comic came first. You may remember the writer Brian K. Vaughn, who's a former writer on the TV series Lost and has written many sci-fi comic series, some of which we've actually read on this podcast, like Saga and Why the Last Man. And the artist Cliff Chang actually won an Eisner for his work on Paper Girls and has created some other great works, most notably working on Wonder Woman, The Human Target, a book called Catwoman, The Lonely City. But we all know that you really want to get to the preteen time travel drama, Roman. Of course, old chum, Paper Girls starts way back when in 1988 in a suburb of Cleveland where four 12-year-old, you guessed it, Paper Girls named Aaron, Tiffany, Mac, and KJ befriend each other the morning after Halloween and quickly find a creepy basement time machine and find themselves in a millennia-spanning temporal civil war between factions of human order and chaos, as one does. Along the way, they encounter ancient cave people, future hipsters, and their older selves and clones of their younger selves. And don't forget the dinosaurs, microscopic turned gargantuan monsters, 4D monsters, and the giant-sized Rock'em Sock'em robots. Right on. You never can forget the robots and monsters. But the real monsters are within are within us, Roman. <sighs> so true. So anyway, I actually remember being really surprised and blown away the first time I read the first few issues of Vaughn's latest work when Paper Girls came out years ago, and I inevitably just fell off. But it was really interesting for me to jump back in and read the whole thing, all 30 issues of the series, to its conclusion. I definitely have some thoughts about comic books and time travel, but Ryan, and I'm really upset that my friends at Grounded Geeks aired an episode on this exact same topic a week before us but ryan i'm genuinely curious because i know you love all of brian k vaughn's prior work that we've read on this podcast what did you think of paper girls i think i've noticed some patterns in brian k vaughn's work i also i think i figured out why his stuff seems to be adapted into streaming tv shows so readily well i guess this and why the last man which was canceled it's like each (laughs) 
<laughs> so we've read Why the Last Man, we've read Saga, we've read Paper Girls. And the opera is basically for parents, right? It's like really focused on being a parent, what it's like to be a new parent and protect your children. Why the Last Man is for underdeveloped 25-year-old man children. And then this one, of course, is for teenage girls, preteen girls who are trying to find themselves in the world. Or adults trying to think about their lost youthful years. Yeah, maybe that too. But it, it feels like I was just thinking back on the three series that we read, and they all like have this very distinct demographic that they are catering to. And that, I don't know, maybe that makes them really attractive for for being a streaming I, TV show. I, I Maybe from a TV perspective, but I don't think like that's the marketing angle of why he writes it. I do think I do call you out. I do agree with you on he's writing about those very specific experiences. Well, I don't know if that's why he's writing it. I'm just noticing this. This. Oh, sure, sure. But I, I'm a, I'm a Brian K. Vaughn fanboy, right? Like I read, I, I try to read all of this stuff because I genuinely enjoy him as a writer. And I, I think what you just said though is interesting. He decides to take the and maybe this isn't unique among writers. But versus doing the same tropes over and over again, he's definitely not doing sci-fi. He's a former TV writer, but maybe either he's writing for TV or he's writing from a, a perspective of a very unique demographic. But he, I think he writes it in a way, like Bendis, that appeals to the comic reading masses who want weird sci-fi that's not superheroes. Yeah. Like, I, haven't, I don't know if he's written any superhero stuff, actually. So... The other, here's the other thing about Brian K. Vaughn. So I, so I mentioned he has those distinct demographics, but there's also like a, a pattern to how he writes, mm. Mm. which is that the characters are always on the run or they're always yep. traveling. And mm -hmm. every issue, it's, it's very episodic. They yeah. encounter something, a strange situation, and then they work their way through it. They move on to the next strange situation, and they have to work their way through it, and they move on to the He's next. He's a TV writer. He's a TV writer. It feels like Sliders, right? That old 90s TV show. Oh, and, oh, I know. And it works really well in Saga, I think, because you have this family that's constantly on the run, and there's something primal about that. You've got this Romeo-Juliet thing with these two, the mother and the father, of being of two warring species, which is great. And fundamentally, the only thing they want to do is protect their family. All they want to do is be left alone. So everything just spirals off of that, and every step of the way of Saga makes sense. Why the last man less so, even as he's moving, it's not quite clear what they're trying to accomplish. And then the constant, they, they have one conflict and another conflict, another conflict. And because it's not really clear what it's building to, it gets tedious. There is the mega arc, like the mega gimmick of the thing. Time travelers trying to find their way home. Right. All, all, half of humanity has gone. He's trying to find his way to his long lost love. Yeah. Which Saga is, surviving on the run but with it's not kid. As, Right, but but it's not as like with Saga, like we are fugitives, we have a baby, and we are trying to survive. That is primal, right? That mm -hmm. is like just, oof. Mm -hmm. I got to find my girlfriend. Eh, given what's happening in the world, it's not that, it's, it's I, I, I get it, but I also don't, it's not as high stakes as everyone in the world is trying to kill us, and I just want to raise my fucking kid. And paper girls- <laughs> half, a, half of the world is dead, <laughs> and I'm trying to find some meaning in it. Or where's my girlfriend? Everyone in the universe is trying to kill me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and the Paper Girls is the same way, right? And maybe I was not as interested in that we're all trying to get home because we read Black Science, which is the same <laughs> thing. And so I was like, ah, oh, I've read this before, done in a different way, where all of the characters are pretty much. That's the other thing. All of the characters 
are pretty much the same character, except they're all wisecracking. Maybe some are a little bit more roast than others. Maybe one's a homophobe, but also closeted. There's like maybe slight shifts in the characters but they're all the same individual and that's you know, you know what's funny uh, that's actually that's a, i agree with that part that's something i the first time i read probably got through the first couple graphic novels because that's all that had come out i was reading it slower and i could tell the characters apart upon the second reading all 30 issues all six volumes in a week or so they all ran together. And so Lena and Amon on Grounded Geeks, I discovered randomly last week that they had done an episode watching the show and reading the book. Because I think all of season one, which probably gets through the first couple books, is on Amazon. And they were saying that's one thing the TV show did dramatically better. It fleshed out the individual characters and their journeys and their arcs, probably because that's what you have to do for TV. The point about it being episodic is something I, I thought a lot about, too, on the second reading. And it made me think about like my own, not just the timing of reading and how we read on this podcast, but the issue with comics, right? So it, it's great to binge a series like this, but you don't get the pacing. The problem with in 30 issues, this is a comic that came out over 30 months, which is just shy of three years. And unlike TV, where seasons come out weekly, right? 10 episodes or 12 or 15 episodes, come out on a weekly basis just like a podcast and you develop a relationship with the characters or the narrators and i do think you need space between them i I genuinely think that like even with the graphic novel maybe you just read one volume a week and maybe it feels better because then you're left in anticipation of the next episode the next arc but when you try to read all 30 episodes in like a week but but then the constraint of comics it takes a fucking long time to make a comic book it's basically it's five people effectively if you add the editor like grinding it out it's just it's a damn shame comics don't come out weekly and well, you can have that same tv experience with paper girls the issue also is that he often repeats the same trick throughout the issues and you can see hang on but you can see that trick if you read it all in one sitting versus if you space it out monthly for sure you don't see the trick right but i don't think that's an excuse i think it's time for him to get a new shtick so what i'm referring to is oftentimes the girls are separated because of some like time explosion and then one girl is gone into some other world oh we got to find her that happens twice like there's this big arc where I think KJ is missing. They finally find her. And then there's another big arc where Tiffany is missing. Both Aaron and Tiffany see older versions of themselves and are disappointed with what they see. It's like the same thing over and over again. Now, by comparison, I'm just going to pick Sandman because we binge that one. Mm-hmm. That one doesn't feel like it's repeating the same trick over and over again, even if you read mm-hmm. it really fast. There are different arcs throughout Sandman, but in each of those arcs, Neo Gaiman is really trying to interrogate who Morpheus is and what the role of dreams are in whatever new conflict that he's found Mm -hmm. himself in. Mm -hmm. So whether it's Morpheus goes to hell or whether you have this very personal story of a woman named Barbie having these strange dreams. It's more varied. It's varied. It's interesting. The modern era of television kicked off by shows like Sopranos and Star Trek Deep Space Nine is this broader continuity mega arc story, right? Versus old school Star Trek The Next Generation and Planet of the Week, where you get to know these people, but you get to interrogate different ideas. And maybe it's me getting older again. Like, I am tired. I don't, I actually don't mind these continuity series in comics, but I genuinely enjoy in television Planet of the Week instead. 
I don't want to watch fucking Law and Order. Don't get me wrong, but like right. Star Trek Strange New Worlds is it's the same crew and there's some shticks and some inside jokes for sure as you get to know them. But the Planet of the Week architecture, Black Mirror did this really well. Sherlock, BBC Sherlock did this really well. I think I need that again. And and to your point, comics. That's funny. The comics that we make fun of a lot, the superhero comics did that, too. It's like an arc with Nightwing, an arc with Spider-Man, right. and you hit the reset, and everything comes back to normal. Well, huh. I think that's why we've gotten away from comics, because when we are superhero comics, because when we were teenagers, preteens, all of these stories felt fresh and new, and then now that we are so much older and less patient, we, we see, again, the same trick. How many civil wars have there been? You know, how many times has Superman fought Batman? How many times has a major character died? But you, you get you see the same tricks and you get tired of it. And I, I think Paper Girls, that was some an, an issue that I had at a much smaller scale because it was only confined within 30 volumes rather than 30 years. But it was still an issue. Pun intended. You know what we should have done with this podcast, Ryan? We should have brought our younger selves on the podcast to talk to. About yeah, it. right. This would have blown their minds, man. They'd probably be like, man, why'd you grow up to be such a killjoy? And I'd be like, <laughs> sorry, man. It's just once you have bills, that's what does it to you. <laughs> way, to, way to bring it back to our free podcast. <laughs> podcast. I, uh, one, one thing I do enjoy about Vertigo style series is what I'll call this, right? And Sam was a Vertigo style series. Why the Last Man was. Fables. This is... It has a beginning, middle, and end. Even though there's a lot of repetition along the way, even though it's like an overly long Netflix series that probably could have been done in three volumes instead of six. And, and Mark Millar is pretty interesting about this. Another writer of the same era as Brian K. Vaughn is in, with some exception, right? He does absolutely have these like long 10 volume series that have a beginning, middle, and end that get a little repetitive. But he does these like one shot series of things. And by the way, Netflix paid Mark Millar like $50 million so they could basically make movies of Millar's stuff instead. These like one shots. And there's a little bit of repetition and maybe for an episode we should read four or five of those. But I just, I, one thing I've genuinely appreciated about him is these stories, be it Preacher, Why the Last Man, Paper Girls, they're finite. They're mm -hmm. going somewhere. And I, uh, spoiler alert, one thing that I didn't appreciate, I, I guess I did and I didn't. I don't know how I felt about the ending. You knew it was going to happen. They hit the reset button. They go on this grand adventure and they wipe their memories. <laughs> yeah. What? So, okay. Here's the other issue I have with Paper Girls. Why the fuck does any of this matter? You're there for the ride, not for the destination. Man. Right. But it's just an expensive book if you're going to buy it. And it's 30 six issues. Volumes. It's six Support volumes. Support your local library. Issues. You can read this for free. Uh, no, it wasn't available in the local library because of the show. So that's my other issue, right? None of this matters. It doesn't. It goes back right to the same place. They're all friends. Okay, great. But like and they've been on this journey and they haven't changed because of it because they forgot everything. What happens if so? I know there's some threat about the world ending in this war of people who want to change the timeline to make it perfect versus people who don't want to change the timeline. But what does that war even matter at the end? What happens? What's why does the fate of these girls well, I mean, but, matter? But what I find, look, look, it doesn't matter. But what I found interesting about it was that's the problem it was showing. No, there's all this stuff is happening, happened, has happened and happened underneath everything that's fantastical in itself the secret well, what do you mean war, you, oh, so the secret war between like the old timers and whatever the other their enemies were happened. the teenagers the, the 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 teenagers with fucked up faces 
Yeah. That's yeah. what they're called. But but that TFF. Happened, and no one is ever the wiser about the secret but, war that happened. Okay, I guess. It could be happening right now, Ryan. Yeah, I could I'm sorry, <laughs> man. It's like there's there's secret wars happening on Twitter as we speak. <laughs> But so inconsequential. <laughs> like, look, look, if 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 the teenagers win, what happens? If the old timers win, what happens? And what do the girls have to do with it? They're involved somehow in the middle of it. What is no, but their that, that's, but that's the beauty of the book. They're the everyman. They're the related. No, 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 no. But but th- th- this is a real question. Though. What what these questions are unanswered, and th- we're meant to care. I no, think if it was, according care according it. according to the. The story itself, it was the girls. At first, the go- girls were perceived by both sides as this a- weird right. fluke in this aberration that was fucking everything up. We got to figure okay. this out. They're getting in the way. And by the end of it, I think you realize right. that they're the reason for the peace process, the thing that resolved the war, these six civilians who got yanked into it accidentally. Okay. First off, what happens if the old timers win? I don't know. I didn't understand that. <laughs> okay. What happens if the teenagers win? And, well, that's the problem. The, the wars, man. No one wins. That's the problem. Well, that's a bit of a problem, right? We don't know what the stakes are. And then the girls. Okay. There's a peace process. What is the peace process? No one's going to travel through time ever again, right? Which is, I guess, essentially the old timers winning because their whole thing was like, don't change the timeline. And the teenagers were like, yeah, we're going to change the timeline. How do we even get to that consensus where the girls are like, yeah, let's all just have a dialogue. And then everyone's like, kumbaya, heading out, end of the story. How do we get to that point? Like, like, like tell me, like, like, what is, how does that work? And that's, that, that's, yeah. That, that, that's, hang on, hang on. Like, I can't remember the name of the book, but it's just like, just go along for the ride. That That's the, the one thing I will say that stuck with it from okay. the first time I read half of it to finishing it all the way. It's just a fucking fun ride, man. And it was touching. And it was these, this coming of age story and a wacky time travel thing. Like, it was just fun, wasn't it? No. Here's why. Look, I went along. Look, so certain books, yeah, you just go along for the ride, right? Like the Mobius book. No, but I think for you, it just has to be so fucking crazy. It can't even be close to relatable because then your brain turns on. No, it has to. Look, they're they're setting up real stakes. Hey, these girls are in danger. There's this real war happening. Oh, this is important. You set that up in the beginning. And then when at the end of the day, you're like, oh, fuck it, man. Just go along for the ride. It's like, dude, don't don't try to set it up like this is this big deal and that I should really be paying attention to all of these details about what the teenagers want versus what the old timers want. Don't give me all of that bullshit and then tell me it doesn't matter. You're getting me invested early on and then you're like, oh no, it doesn't really matter. That's that's a cop out to me. Yeah, but versus, with, with Mobius and Jodorowsky, the, the stakes were equally as high. Weren't no, they? The, the stakes didn't matter. The, the, it's, it's very clear straight up that all of this stuff, it's not set up like we have to care about this war between these different creatures. It's told in almost like a dreamlike way where this character is just bumbling into this mess. He's like, I don't know what's going on. Oh my God, I'm just going to run away. It's told in a much different way than Paper Girls. And it's told without the expectation that there's going to be some traditional dramatic resolution. It's just basically about what expectations the writer sets up and then whether he resolves the story 
in a way that is true to those expectations or whether he just decides, ah, what, forget it. It, it. In a way, it's like it was all a dream, right? The reason that ending sucks is because they get you invested in something and then they're like, psych, doesn't matter. Don't pay attention to it. And you're just like, why did I waste the energy? And that's how I felt with Paper Girls. It's like, why did I try to get invested in these girls and their dramas and their wants and desires only to have it not matter at all? And that's why I was so pissed off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, he's won more Eisners than you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking, though. So anyway, sorry, sorry to be. Like? A... No, you're being a Ryan. It's fine. Uh, yeah, I was just really disappointed with this book. It sounded like such a cool concept. He doesn't even explore really the whole time travel concept in a way that is particularly interesting. It all just is See, this that's, that's backdrop. Actually, that's where, okay, good. That's, yeah, tell me, tell me why I'm wrong. I, I'm having trouble arguing with you on this one. Like. I just found it a different execution of time travel. It was that time travel was this backdrop. And it's just these four people who don't give a shit about all this time travel stuff. They're just trying to get home. They don't give a shit about the war. They don't give a shit about the space-time continuum. It is weird that you meet yourself and they try to wrap their head around it. And that's not how time travel works. And the reason their older selves don't remember this grand adventure with these women. And it's actually sad. This real yeah. bond that they make with each other they're not going to remember it. The impact that it has on them, that is a tragedy in itself. So I think this upends the time travel genre more than most time travel stories do because most time travel stories do the same fucking thing over and over again. Yeah, okay, so let's talk about meeting your future self or you meeting your, your past self. I was just amazed at how lackadaisical everyone was well, that, that. that. Is, that that's, that's Holy one shit, thing. okay, not, well, let's have, go to the mall. Have, okay, have not watched the TV show. But that is one thing upon listening to Lena and Amon talk about it, like they flesh that that moment, the importance of that, even though these girls are going to forget it. But like just witnessing that moment, that's a real mental exercise. What would you say to your younger self? How would you react right. to it if your younger self knew you were doing a shitty podcast about comic books, right? Like instead of conquering the world that that is explored more in the show, I think. And it left me wanting for more in the comics. Like I, I did find those moments a little bit more throwaway, that they yeah. were more significant. Yeah, I think that was a real big opportunity that Vaughn just didn't, you know, he presents these interesting scenarios. There's this opportunity to really explore what does it mean for each of these girls? What does it mean for the adult version of that girl to be confronted with her younger self who is disappointed in her? And basically, he has to shove that aside because we need to go on this madcap adventure. And that was what was really disappointing to me. And then to your earlier point also about the girls not remembering things and that being tragedy to me like where it's because as we spoke talked about earlier all four girls are interchangeable they don't they just feel like kind, they almost feel kind of like disney characters where there's the, these generic wisecracking kids who just want to do good and i've seen that personality over and over again and so much that it started to feel like an archetype and gosh, I'm a curmudgeon. <laughs> That's like, I, I, I'm just, what was your just, young, what would your younger self say, Ryan? I don't know. I probably would have been into it. Right. Because it's like, it's, it, it would have felt neutral. So you, you're, what you're saying is you've lost touch with your, with your childhood. 
Ah, uh, maybe if just, but you see the same tricks over and over again. You you, you get a little bit. It's sort of like Warren Ellis. Like I really liked Warren Ellis when I was in high school because I had never read anything like what mm. he was doing, and I still admire him. But I, the way I when I read his stuff now, I I feel like oh, it's the same shtick over and over again. Maybe a slightly different setting, but every character is the same. Dark, cynical, bitterly funny. Here's what I will give you. I think first the masses do eat the shit up. It wins Eisner's. It gets made. Oh, in sure. Shows. It sells. But, but, but what else I tell you and where I think you're accurate is there is a shtick and a thread and a style that the masses enjoy reading. Yeah. And I, I Brian gave on and Bob, Brian Michael Bendit and I eat it up a little bit more than you do. We, we're eating it up. We like this stuff. Let's I go. totally agree with you. I think that's what makes the Marvel Cinematic Universe so powerful, right? That's what makes Disney so powerful because these are stories that give you exactly what you expect comfort comfort yeah they are satisfying the way a great bag of chips is satisfying the way a mcdonald's hamburger is satisfying and there's nothing wrong with that hey, hang on hang on hang on a second because i appreciate a good bag of chips and i think comparing a good bag of chips to mcdonald's in this metaphor is actually mean like i think mcdonald's <laughs> is no i this, this sincerely <laughs> okay, okay because as a, as an older person we actually, my daughter, Wait, we for a for fun, can, can just, fun day. Can we just establish yeah. like which is better, a bag of chips or a McDonald's hamburger? Bag of chips, bag of okay. chips, any any day of the week, man. Yeah, really? Like, yeah, yeah. man. So because McDonald's, we, we took my daughter to McDonald's this last day before school started, and we got it, and McDonald's tastes so good, and then you regret eating it within like two hours as an adult, right? Whereas a bag of chips, there is no regret. It's a comfort food that you can have with a glass of whiskey or at a bar. It's it's an, a bag of chips is a, a nice accessory that you're not going too far with, whereas McDonald's is a bad decision. Well, <laughs> maybe just take a Pepto Bismol afterwards, Robin. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should do that when you're reading Brian K. Vaughn. I I, I might. Maybe you should take an next, edible. Yeah. Maybe you should take an edible when you're reading Brian K. Vaughn. I've taken edible when I'm reading Ultrasound or something like that. That'll put me in a weird ass place. <laughs> It's funny, something I just realized, I was looking up Brian K. Bond's other books, because the one thing I am going to subject you to, spoiler alert, at some point on the spot, is I am going to make you read Ex Machina, his other series. I'm um, actually curious, because I, I, I read the first volume of that a long time ago, and in my I, 20s, here, so I'm, I'm curious to Here's what I'd say about Brian K. Bond, and I like Brian K. Bond all the way through to the end, unlike you, but he sets up really interesting premises, and I, I think where we are not aligned, I think we both agree on that, but where we're yes. not aligned is... I think he sees them through nicely. He gives me a nice ride all the way through the end. And you don't like where the ride and the characters take you with his work. I wouldn't say I don't like where the ride and the characters take me. I would say I just get bored on the ride over. It's like, and, they, mm. and, and just like wake me up when it's over thing. Well, could you, could you have dealt with Paper Girls if it was two volumes and not six? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I think I would be less like, oh my God, I've seen this shit before. It, it sure. might have been something that squeezed very nicely into in, if it were if it were more compact. It's interesting. Another book that we read by Brian K. Vaughn that you didn't like. What it is? Besides, why the last man? Or Saga? <laughs> I like Saga. I was a big okay. fan of Saga. Oh, I really? I didn't. I told you, I really like Saga. Yeah. Okay. He when we did our double feature for Doctor Strange, he did the oath. Oh right. Yeah. He, okay, I didn't know he did that. Yeah, yeah, we didn't like that one. <laughs> you didn't like that one either. I liked, I, I liked it not as much as the other Doctor Strange, but I enjoyed the oath as well. Um, 
Is there anything else to say about this book other than us debating the merits of Brian K. Vaughn? I, I think Cliff that's... Chang is... I think the other books I've read by Cliff Chang, by the way, his current Catwoman run, Lonely City, are fantastic. I am a big Cliff Chang fan. This guy's style is something else. Yeah, I... I, I... So, okay, I'm... No oh, man. I am okay with Cliff Chang. I guess I didn't... He didn't... I wish I could say something good about this, man. Like, I really do. I really feel like I'm just, like, sitting here just, like, shitting into your cornflakes over and over again. You're shitting into the people's cornflakes, I'm my friend. I'm shitting into Not the people. Mine. I'm shitting into, into like, the Eisner Award winning cornflakes, and I feel bad about it. And it's not like... Nah, you shouldn't. Like, it's it's, it's I, not your fault. You have bad taste. What is... Well, you're the one who made me read this. Yeah. <laughs> what is, like... Like Cliff Chang's art was fine, I guess. Like I, I read it, I, I went through it. It's like it's actually really, it's clean. It, it looks good. It's he makes it's, weird shit look normal, and I love that. Whether it's the clone of yourself in a spacesuit, whether it's dinosaurs just like hanging out or robots secretly battling in the background, he makes weird shit seem seem normal. Yeah, I guess so. Even in space I, helmets. Yeah, I don't. I I think like 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 John Cassidy, right? He was he was always he. But maybe that's the that's the difference, right? Cassidy always gave his weird shit like the sense of grandeur, and Chang he's making it seem almost prosaic, which I think is probably intentional. So I don't know. The art was fine. It was like it was very clean, easy to follow, but it wasn't like drooling over the pages like like you were. What did you like was... about it? It's just so it's just a weird shit. Weird shit makes seems normal. What else? Like what blows you away about Cliff Chang? That's first, that's what he did really well in Paper Girls. But the approachability, that's interesting. There's like two styles of art, right? Effectively. Three, maybe, in comics. I think there's like hyper-realistic John Byrne, Jim Lee, Alex Ross. Like, make it feel real. Then there's cartoony, the Tamakis, Gene Lun Yang, like the cartoony world. And then there's like weird shit, like Sam Keith. I'm trying mm. to come up with a few more, right? But like, there's Did like three you- styles. And I feel like what Cliff Chang does is he's bridging between cartoony and realistic because the pacing feels serialized. It feels approachable. It feels like this could happen in your world, but it's not hyper-realistic. Like, I almost got got like a Phil Hester vibe off him. And I I dig that style. I genuinely dig that. Who did uh, Catwoman with Ed Brubaker? That... Jim Belen? Uh, I, I don't know. It might have been Sean Phillips. I'm not sure. Uh, okay. Yeah, but so there's something I appreciate about the style, and then you throw the weird shit in with it. And I think the same thing happens in Saga with what is the name of the Fiona Staples, the woman who does that, or Sarah Pascali. It's it's that same thing that they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I thought. I actually really did like the art in Saga. She illustrated some really weird stuff, and she did it over and over again. And she, but she also was like was had like super clear storytelling like every like like I really admired what she did in in Saga and maybe maybe I'm giving Paper Girls art the bit of a short shrift just because I was not a big fan of the of the story mm. what story there was <laughs> sorry it's, it's okay to be wrong Brian it's okay to be wrong I don't know what that feels like. <laughs> Well, so, okay, Ryan, so, I, wait, wait, wait. What did you like about it? Because you, you obviously hold... I, 
how how would, where would you rank this? I'm just curious, like, because I'm I'm not like, do you, did you obviously you liked it a lot more than I did, but did you like it? How does it compare to you versus like Saga or versus? Yeah, I think Wild I think Saga Man? is Saga is clearly his best work, but but I think because Paper Girls is so different. Not just the turning time travel on its head and telling a very human personal story about time travel, but no one writes comic books about four preteen girls. That's actually one thing that's weird. So one hilarious thing. Jillian Tamaki does. The Tamaki cousins. Yeah. Yes. And I am a sucker for like young adult like stuff. Maybe I want to relate more to what my kids are going to grow up into or reminisce about that part of my life when you merge it with the fantastical Stranger Things style. One thing I thought was hilarious. So the back of every comic, and I don't know if you read this digitally, but the back of every comic or even kids book, they show pictures of the author and they say something about the writer and the artist. And were you able to see the creator's pages at the back? Yeah, so it's them as kids. Yeah, it's their it's their twelve year old pictures, and it's almost like yearbook pictures. And but okay, so that's cute and that's interesting, and I think it's very unique and different that you tell a story about four adolescent girls going on this adventure and this coming of age story, and even a hint of like figuring out sexuality and all sorts of stuff. But it was told by four dudes, <laughs> like, mm. like, and I'm not saying they can't tell a good story that way. But it was just like this glaringly obvious thing. You read the story about these, you go on this journey of six issues, every volume with four 12-year-old girls. And you flip to the last page and here's a picture of four 12-year-old boys who told you the story of four 12-year-old girls. And that, again, I still think it was a great romp, but it's just, it, it was weird. It's weird to see that. I'm not saying they didn't tell a good story and they're not incapable of doing it. And then people from one background can't tell the experience of another. But when you look at Saga in the story of parenthood, I'm guessing Brian K. Vaughn is. Some of those married couple arguments as parents were so accurate in Saga. So they're informed by something. And even Why the Last Man, the, the pining boyfriend, that, that's digging into something real. So is he writing the story of the adventure four boys would have had together and pretending to be four girls to tell it? Like, I don't, I don't know. And that was a weird thing for me. That's actually what I like. There was that really real domestic drama that was like this engine for Saga. And you don't have, it's it's actually very grounded, like what you said. The way that the couples quarrel with each other feels very real versus in Why the Last Man and in Paper Girls, the way that they're all together, all of the characters are just really responding to the external conflicts. There's... Of course, they're scared or they're panicking, but it's because of stuff that happens on the outside. And and so Saga, I felt like I was actually with this couple and experiencing their dramas that go well beyond the external stuff of all the shit, you know, all these people trying to kill them. And that's what I liked about it, right? It was fundamentally about the husband and the wife and their attempt to, to raise their, their child within this conflict. And you know, if, why uh, the last uh, man wasn't to... about... Yeah, I, I don't know if you picked up the, the more recent issues of Saga. It's back after their multi-year hiatus during the pandemic. Oh, hallelujah. Um, yeah, but I mean, just not to spoil anything, but the, what made Saga work was this very real, very authentic relationship between a husband and wife who are new parents and dealing with the world. And that's not the case. You, you know what happens at the end of Saga. And so I, I've picked up probably the first three or four issues. And that dynamic's missing, and it's hard to come back to the show or to, to the to the comic because of that. 
I'm actually very curious to see what he does with with Saga after that because that 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 forces the dynamic to shift, right? Assuming that the character is dead and stays dead, which hopefully is the case. Now you've got this this single mother, yeah. and she needs to prevent her kid from being an orphan. Yeah, they haven't fully flushed it out, but they're attempting some of the same dynamics. I think that they they're did with the TV show Never Have I Ever, which has a dead father spoiled it for you but i'm guessing if you're coming to this podcast you've read it or you haven't read it and if you haven't read it you don't care <laughs> yeah i'm all i'd say is i continue to be intrigued by brian k bond there's a couple more things that he has written that are you know it's funny his the his breakout hit before the stuff we've been talking about was runaways which was converted to a hulu series which i've not watched but i remember loving the comic which takes place in the marvel universe maybe we'll read that but i think we should read ex machina pride of baghdad I remember being really good. And again, I think he won some awards for that. So it's just like, I want to continue to visit this because it sounds like Brian K. Vaughn occasionally can hit a note that does appeal to you. Unlike the rest of the masses who give him accolades for everything he does. Yeah. What? Look, hey, man, if the masses want to jerk off Brian K. Vaughn, then by God, they should do that because we all need hobbies. <laughs> Ours is this podcast. Would you uh, recommend this to anybody? Uh, no, not really. I, I don't think I, I would say like there, there are other comics out there. Like if you really want to like a great comic about teenagers or preteens trying to figure themselves out, like I mentioned earlier, the Tamakis, I think, do a fantastic job. Obviously, it's not and they have a new fiction. book coming out, too. And they have That's a new book coming out in 23. Yeah, which I am super looking forward to. Yeah. And interesting, like we've read a lot of Mariko's work. And some of the work that she's done with her cousin, Jillian, and we've had some conversations with Marco, but and hopefully trying to get her on this pod at some point to read something with us. But Jillian has a book called, what is it? It's like Super Mutant Magic Academy. Have you, have you heard about this? I have not. Yeah. Super Mutant Magic Academy. I got it from the library and it's not like a, a serialized story. It's just like one shot comic strips, but it's like three inches like thick. It's like a phone book. Oh, wow. So I, I wonder if we, we should read Super Mutant Magic Academy. Look, I'm definitely down for that. Yeah. Anyway. I love the title. Yeah. And the cover's great. The cover's great. So um, cool. Well, at some point, I, I feel like we keep adding books that we can read, even though we're viewing. So look, I just want to say that when I Google Jillian Tamaki Super Mutant Magic Academy, and you have the suggestions from Google, this number two suggestion is called Thigh High... Raiwa Hanumaru Academy, and it's like. Hang on, these... I, I just want to be clear. Google customizes what you see based on past search history, because I'm not seeing that, Ryan. <laughs> oh really? I'll show you what I'm seeing. It's it's kind of it, it's. I don't want to see what you're seeing no, more like, often. You, you got to you got to see what I'm seeing. <laughs> see, this is what happens when you when you read all those fancy graphics books. That this is what happens in your to your Google search results. That you don't see that. That's not coming up. That is not coming up in my search. It's a bunch. So it's, it looks like it's <laughs> now a Now it's going to because I clicked your stupid link. Oh my it's, God. It's a, it's a, well, I don't know what the comic's about, but it's a bunch of dudes in skirts with really muscular thighs and it's a manga. So this high energy comedy takes being cute and being cut to a whole new level. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Books we won't be reading on quarantine comics. Well, that's what you think. <laughs> Well, Ryan, I have to ask you a question then. If you're going to ask me what we're reading next week, I was probably going to ask you that, but we'll throw it up like a jump ball. (laughs) Open up the goddamn reading. Are we reading Laura Olympus by Rachel Smythe? We can. 
what should we read next week? There's another web. You know, here, here's the funny thing, Ryan. No matter what we say on this segment of the podcast, it's going to be incorrect. Yeah, it's probably true. Hmm. We could read Batgirl Year One in honor of David Zaslav. Oh, you want to do that? I've read it. It's fantastic, but you'll hate it as usual. I don't hate everything. I just just the bad stuff. <laughs> it's it's a quick read. It's it's one of those quick reads that uh, do it. Yeah, let's I do Batgirl Year One. Do you want to cue it really? up? Do you, do you sure. don't want? Do you not want to? We, we, well, no, um, I, I love it, and I think you're gonna shit on it. But you might as well do it because it's timely. I'll, I'll try not to shit. I'm not gonna shit on it. Well, I might. Who knows? If you, you're, you're, it's, you let's do the let's do the, the the special fuck Zaslav episode. <laughs> like I hope we can't do that though, because like one day you're gonna be applying for a job at Warner Media or whatever it's called these days. And he's going to listen to this podcast. You're going to get the job. And then he's going to listen to this podcast when they do their last minute vetting. And then they're going to find the fuck Zaslav episode. And you well, what's, what's funny is I don't think they're going to listen to it. It's just all of these words are being transcribed into the cloud. Right. Right. And so when you search for. What you when you search Roman for Segal opposition Zaslav, research. Roman no, Segal's you... face pops up. No, Ryan Joe. Ace reporter Ryan Joe's face <laughs> pops up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, everything. I, I have a lot of nervousness about that. Like I put literally 300 hours plus hours of my voice out into the internet. <laughs> some of the, and probably some of the shit I've said on this podcast is worse than the other one. Well, hmm. let's, to, to commemorate, to, 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 commemorate the fu- to commemorate the time travel future ending of our careers, let's record the fuck Zaslav episode. I'm going to no, keep all or, this in there, by the or way. Or to, to memorialize Batgirl. To memorialize our future careers. Never was. We're, we're going to read Batgirl Year One. By Chuck Dixon and a really cool artist whose name I don't remember. Yeah. And I just looked it up. Jim Balent, the Catwoman artist. It was a Chuck Dixon run that he was associated with. So. Well, there you go. We're reading something in a couple of weeks on Quarantine Comics. Oh, right. But who knows who when it will Who knows what air. it is? Time travel, man. Talk to your younger, older self. Yay. That's kind of what we do in every these podcasts. We're always talking, listening, at least, to our younger selves. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong. qtdcomics at gmail.com give you a social media handle but we're old and that feels like too much work i'm roman segel and i am and have always been ryan joe
Drum beats out of 